Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the one, the only, Dan Z, and I are recording this on Tuesday, March 3rd, Super Tuesday. A lot of news has broken, Dan, since we last recorded a, a, a new podcast. Uh, in fact, we were just pre-gaming uh, a moment ago, and you were saying uh, you're still kind of bummed about what happened with Steven Spielberg. Oh, I'm really bummed about it. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm depressed because I, I, you know, it's not like I know it or have any vested interest financially. But Indiana Jones is my favorite franchise, and mm-hmm. we're already we're looking at a new Indiana Jones without George Lucas, mm-hmm. and now to not have it without Spielberg, who's you know the other co-creator of this thing, I just. That just gives me a bad feeling that this thing is not going to get made. Well, um, kind of interesting. I, I, for those of you who, who missed this announcement, it was what? Uh, back on February 24th, I want to say, the Monday. First, we learned that Steven Spielberg was stepping away from directing Indiana Jones 5. And then pretty much in that on that same day, we learned that um, James Mangold, he's the, the gentleman who directed... Uh, Ferrari versus Ford, uh, which was up for a lot of Academy Awards this past year. Uh, but more importantly, Logan from 2017, um, he's going to pick up the reins, uh, at Indy five. And, uh, which by the way, Dan, uh, was working the phones. People at Disney are still insisting this thing is coming out July 9th, 2021. That's good. That's good. Uh, and I'll tell you what, folks, we'll do a deep, Dan and I will do a deep dive on this second half of the show today. But uh, first, let's, you know, again, a lot of news. So, uh, okay, Dan, let's start by talking about um, the return of Clone Wars, the animated series. Now, the uh, first two episodes of season seven have uh, already aired on Disney Plus. And what did you think of them? I absolutely love them. I think mm-hmm. the animation, uh, you can definitely tell it's got a fresh sheen, fresh coat of paint to it, mm-hmm. uh, but it still has that same kind of look about it. Mm-hmm. The voice acting is, of course, fantastic. The Bad Batch is much more captivating than I expected. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It literally feels like you're just back home uh, like I was years ago sitting on the couch with my my older boys, and now I'm watching it with the little guy, and he's absolutely riveted too. I think it's great. And when you find out that... George wanted to do about 300 of these things. Of course, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen. It just makes me lament that this is the last season, but we're getting a really proper set off. What do you think about it? Well, I, you know, I, I, I have to admit, I'm impressed by the animation. Uh, you know, that, that, and uh, production design is, is outstanding. Uh, and you're right. Voice work is, is dead on. But uh, the interesting thing is, you know, I'm, I'm at a disadvantage. I mean, uh, in fact, uh, before season seven of Clone Wars, uh, you know, started airing at Disney Plus, I tried to do my due diligence and I, I, again, I kind of went overboard and I, I started all the way back with the Gennady Tartakovsky, uh, oh, Clone Wars. It's um, not even related to this. Well, that's the, what I find fascinating. Um, because again, you know, the, the, these began airing, well, well, first of all, uh, what was it? Uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones arrives in theaters May, uh, 16th, 2002. And then starting in November of 2003, 
this hand-drawn series, uh, and but again, it's interesting. They called it a micro-series, debuts on the Cartoon Network, and it's supposed to bridge the gap between Star Wars uh, Episode Two: Attack of the Clones, and Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Uh, so, well, with three seasons in total uh, were produced, with um, the final episode of Season 3 of the Clone Wars micro-series airing on Cartoon Network in uh, March 25th, 2005. Uh, and I, now, did you make it to Celebration 3 in Indianapolis uh, in that I year? Did. That was the first one I ever went to. It was way before Coffee with Kenobi was a twinkle in my proverbial eye. But, yep, I did. Now, and George was at that one, although I missed him. Well, uh, but see, now that's what intrigues me. Okay, so you have, and, and you know, I mean, th- this micro series was acclaimed. I mean, I, I mean, it was... It was difficult to watch because it, it, what, the f- first two seasons came in three to five minute long batches. Um, yeah. And then right. I guess season three was done in 15 minute chunks. So it's about total two hours of this stuff. Yeah. I still have my DVD copy too, by the way, which you can't find anywhere. Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, but, but here's the thing that's ended March 20, 25th, 2005. And here's George. On stage in April of, of 2005, you know, what, almost less than a month, uh, you know, after, you know, the Clone Wars animated series, the hand-drawn version, uh, finishes up on, on Cartoon Network. And he's talking, he's talking about how we're working on a 3D continuation of the series from, from Cartoon Network. Um, though I, I guess at that point, they won't start on it for another year. And, you know, then, of course, in May of that year, uh, Revenge of the Sith arrives in theaters. Um, but, you know, I guess in July of 2005, Steve Sansweet um, is out there talking about the key difference between this new animated series that, that Lucasfilm Television is doing. It's, it's not going to be three to five minutes long or 15 minutes long. It's episodes that are 30 minutes long. Um, and the style is going to... Well, this is... I, I love this story when they were looking for a style uh, for the 3D animation. They, of course, uh, wanted to build on, you know, some of the design work that Kennedy had done. Um, but it turns out that George was a huge fan of, do you remember the Thunderbird show, Dan? Um, it's, it, yes, it's, I think it's a little creepy. <laughs> well, it turns out George was a fan. He particularly loved those wooden puppets. And so that's why, at least for the first couple of seasons of Star Wars Clone Wars, the CG version, they were this weird marriage between, you know, say, Gennady's hand-drawn stylization of of Obi-Wan and, and Anakin and uh, and the like, and but also puppets. So... <laughs> You know, I, again, that's why it looks like the the way it does. Um, but George um, George lifts the veil on the series uh, in March of 2007. Uh, he talks about, I mean, you mentioned 300 episodes. Initially, he's talking about, we, you know, uh, over 100 episodes of the show have been planned. And at, at that point, Boba Fett, uh, you know, the, the first time they hinted at Boba Fett make, make an appearance to the show, but George was particularly excited about Ahsoka Tana, a new character that had been created for that series. Ahsoka and, Tano is, yeah, one of the best things to happen to Star Wars. 
Well, uh, but but here's what I find fascinating. After having watched the Gennady Tartakovsky, ver- you know, again, hand-drawn version, um, there's a, a, a character called, I, I, see if I'm pronouncing it right, Shock T. Shock T, um, that's right. Mm-hmm. So she's the first female Jedi, and she appears to be from the, the, the same planet or species of Ahsoka Tana. Um, uh, I see a same species as Ahsoka, Ashakti. Uh, let me think about that. I, mean, I got to think about that. But there, there was uh, there was a female Jedi in the Phantom Menace, so mm-hmm. there's others before her. Okay. Um, well, I, but but again, she's this really kick-ass character, and and likewise, I guess, and Asaji Ventress. Asaj Ventress. Yep. Okay. Uh, she's also introduced in the show, and and. Uh, what the uh, dark sister? How do they describe her? Um, oh, she well, she starts out being Count Dooku's assassin, mm-hmm. and then throughout the course of the series, uh, eventually, Dooku turns on her at the request mm-hmm. of Palpatine because he doesn't want them to try to you know take him out, and mm-hmm. so then she recruits. Uh, it's a long story, but then she she's a night sister. That's what she okay. is. She ends okay. up becoming a bounty hunter, and then she ends up becoming good too. Oh, interesting. She's great. Well, and, and and likewise, Padme has a couple of story arcs and that sort of thing. And, and it, it's it's interesting that there is female representation in the Gennady Tartakovsky uh, version of Clone Wars. But it seems like George decided there needed to be more, which is, I think, where Ahsoka Tana came in. And obviously, Ahsoka Tana becomes a huge, huge part of uh, the Clone Wars animated series. Um, so, you know, uh, just to bring the, this this full circle. Uh, so, so, again, I'm doing all of this prep work. So, you know, but then, you know, ep- you know season seven starts. And uh, Drew was telling me that he had previously seen um, these episodes in, in animatic form, uh, they, I guess they were called the lost shows. Yeah. The lost, the lost episodes. They were, they were on star Wars.com for years, all the way back to celebration mm-hmm. Anaheim in 2015. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. animatics for them. So, so you got to see those as well. So that, yes. that's gotta be kind of intriguing to have seen them in that, that rough form and now to see them, you know, in full animation and polished and with great color and that sort of thing. Um, it's it's stunning. And, in you know, they would have looked different if they were made originally. Mm-hmm. And that was done, you know, you know, 10 years ago or when not 10 years ago, but when they when they made them back in 2007, uh, they just look so much better. But, yeah, it's, it's a similar idea, similar story. I think they re-recorded the voice work for it, though. OK, if I have one quibble. OK. And again, minor quibble. Um, I, you know, I think about this. When The Mandalorian started on Disney Plus, uh, somebody who walked in the door who didn't know, know a whole lot about Star Wars could still get the story, uh, could still enjoy the story, could get it, get involved in these characters. Uh, you know, again, and, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why it became, you know, this pop culture phenomenon. You know, people, you know, it, it became appointment viewing. Um on the other hand, Clone Wars, um, the fact that these, you know, we're still, you know, people are walking through the door and it's now episode seven and you have, and don't get me wrong, I, I know of Rex. In fact, you know, that, that's what's kind of interesting to meet the younger Rex after getting to know him 
through Star Wars Rebels. Right. Um, it's, you know, it, it's kind of intriguing for me, you know, but I, I just kind of feel bad for somebody who's coming through the door and is like, wow, here's this, you know, this heavily hyped, uh, you know, Star Wars Clone Wars show. And, you know, so I sit down and it's like, you know, episode one, season seven. And, you know, you're kind of dropped in the deep end narratively. Um, and and yes. again, that, yes, yes. Oh, and no, sorry, though, really. Be, no. Yeah. The, the, the nice thing about Clone Wars is that mm-hmm. while there are, there are seven seasons now, mm-hmm. they're, they're not, it's not told sequentially. In fact, there's all kinds of articles you can find or stars.com has them too, mm-hmm. uh, where the actual chronological order is, but you can watch them in arcs and not really be lost. I mean, you'll miss some of the subtle nuance of the evolution of Ahsoka Mm-hmm. And, you know, her relationship with Anakin, uh, different things that Rex encounters. But for the most part, you really don't need much catch up. As long as you've seen episode two, you're mm-hmm. pretty much ready for Clone Wars, no matter where you fall. Okay. Okay. It's, well, it's kind of fresh. It's it's very much like a, a mythology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the old okay. Greek mythology. You don't have to know all of them to kind of get the point. Okay. That, that, that's an excellent analogy. Um, I, I will say this much, you know, that, that, that quibble aside, I really am waiting to see episode three and, and to see where this goes. Um, and, and speaking of, of waiting and, and looking at something genuinely intriguing, let's talk about Star Wars, the high Republic. Yes. Um, now, how long have you known about Project Luminous? Because they supposedly did some talking about this at Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, it was it was it announced in April of 2019 at New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah, that, that, not, that. I don't know if it was Comic Con, but it, yeah, I, I it's it's been around. It's been, we've been known about it for a, almost a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that teased it out, and then I was invited to go to the Disney Studios for the big unveiling, but I. Mm-hmm had another uh, prior engagement. I did a huge uh, uh, series of education interviews and podcasts for a place called IdeaCon in Chicago. So mm-hmm. that can be pretty busy, but uh, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I think it's, it's pretty rich. Well, I, and, and for those of you who haven't heard the announcement, okay. So uh, Star Wars, the, the, the high Republic is, is a multi, an ambitious multimedia project where noted authors such as Kevan Scott, Claudia Gray, Charles Soule, uh, Daniel Jose Elder, and Justine uh, Ireland have been invited to write uh, books, comic books, uh, I want to say games. Um, and it's, not, it's only publishing. Publishing, okay. But again, the conceit of this is that it's a series of interconnected stories uh, set 200 years before the Phantom Menace when the Jedi were at the height of their power. Um, and I, did you get to take a look at the uh, trailer with a lot of the concept art that they're looking to do? Or Oh, yes. Yes, I, I, I watched mm-hmm. it uh, like um, like I was analyzing the Kennedy assassination. I definitely watched it <laughs> with a great detail. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, you know, I, and I have to admit, I love uh, love the tease line. You know, to the effect of what scares the Jedi. Yes, and the, the Nile you know, is how it's pronounced. The villains. Yeah, and 
And and so yes, it, and they're described as basically space Vikings. Is that correct? Um, uh, yeah, like uh, like a Sid Vicious in space is how they describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, okay. and I actually have an interesting theory about this whole thing too, because the the thing that that motivated them, they met in Skywalker Ranch in, in the summer of 2018, mm-hmm. and there's this, you know the video as, as you mentioned, you know beautifully mm-hmm. sort of plays that out, mm-hmm. but nihilism is a belief in nothing. So there you go. All right, Again, I, I was wondering yes. if that was the jumping off point for that name. That's my okay. theory. You know, I, that's just my belief, but just using etymology. But, you know, if the Jedi had this full belief in the force, which, you know, connects all living things together and nihilism mm-hmm. is the opposite where you believe in nothing and there is no purpose or mm-hmm. uh, intent to anything. So that would to me, that would scare the Jedi the most uh, someone who believes in nothing because it's the opposite of what the mm-hmm. Jedi believe. I think it's pretty cool. Plus, uh, nihilism is also absence of light. And Project mm-hmm. Luminous is clearly about light. So this it's adding Thank up pretty well. You have done your homework. See, this is why I enjoy doing this podcast with you. <laughs> Thank you. you. Know, you, you tease these things out, you know, these threads. Um, okay, so again. Andrew you know, the, Taylor the, could never do something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, now, again, you know, to, to be clear here, they kept hammering at the point that they're trying for cohesive storytelling. So the books will support the comics and, and, and the like. Uh, and, and again, with the idea of everything comes together to tell uh, a story about a previously untold age in Star Wars canon. Uh, and, but, you know, the interesting thing is they've been kind of hiding in plain sight because I guess, uh, what is it? Uh, the very first time High Republic had mentioned was there was a April 2019 audio drama, Dooku uh, Jedi Lost. Which Kevin's the now late. Oh, really? Yeah, that's great. Oh. It's fantastic. So it's basically Dooku's down. origin. Okay, now I have to chase that down. And the now Raiders, I guess, were just recently mentioned in The Lost Hills uh, Part 1, which is a a Star Wars adventure uh, published by IDW Publishing. But that was as recently as January 29th of this year. Um, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, and, and forgive me if I, I'm bringing up something sensitive here, though. Um, I can't help but think when something like the High Republic comes along about the expanded universe. Um, Sure. You know, I mean, face it, out ahead of The Force Awakens, uh, the expanded universe got retconned in, in April 2014, and all sorts of characters that Star Wars fans got to know and love through books and games and comics were simply taken off the canvas uh, with only, what, the six previous Star Wars films, uh, the original trilogy and the prequels, and... And again, oddly enough, the the Star Wars, uh, Clone Wars and CG animated series and film, uh, those were only those were considered canon. Which makes sense because George worked on Clone Wars up until season seven. I completely understand. Mm -hmm. But I have to wonder how many long time Star Wars fans are because they got burned with the, uh, you know, the expanded universe with Blar. And in fact, what's interesting is how many pieces of the expanded universe after, um, they got changed into the, uh, Star Wars legends. Is, is that what they're called now? Yeah. Star Wars legends. That's right. 
But it's interesting to see, how, you know, how, how individual characters that were declared Star Wars legends then got sort of folded back into the canon, you know, as people were working on films and stories and it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, sure. what about that chunk? Let's bring well, that back. Dave um, is, is, is mined the legends line quite a bit, Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I like, and mm-hmm. I, when this actually happened, Steve Sansweet was on mm-hmm. and he, he went on record, uh, at least on coffee with Kenobi and said, the expanding universe is not canon. It was never canon. It was always an extension. That's why it's the expanded universe. So mm-hmm. it didn't wipe them out. I mean, it, it, they certainly aren't in the modern canon, at least the way that they used to be. But mm-hmm. they still exist, and anyone can go to your library or go to a bookstore and still find those books. So it's there. I always told people, think of if you know your Arthurian lore in legend, mm-hmm. legend. In similar to Greek mythology, there are a lot of different versions of the Arthurian legend. Mort Arthur is by Sir Thomas Mallory is the most famous, but there are a lot of different versions of the Knights of the round table. Uh, so that's just kind of what this is like too. And, and they would just pop up in different things. So again, Dave and Lucasfilm, they mine the legends line for things and pull them in. So yeah, it's hard not to think of the high Republic and just sort of, you know, the old star Wars video games of the old Republic and things like that. So mm-hmm. It will be fun to see if there's any kind of cross-pollination. Well, now, it's interesting you use that word because when I was talking with with friends at Disney this week, what they – and the interesting thing, the the way the studio considers Star Wars The Higher Republic is in much the same way that, say, you know, the comic books that Marvel Entertainment publishes uh, often create – uh, the characters and the storylines that are then used uh, for the films, uh, you know, the interconnecting films that Marvel Studios makes. And, uh, you know, the, the, as far as Walt Disney Studios is concerned, Star Wars The High Republic is basically the incubator uh, for, you know, possible theatrical films, possible limited series for Disney+. Plus. Uh, you know, so they're really excited about it. Um, and, you know, in fact, I, I guess the initial wave of, of books and comic books arrives this fall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, they all, uh, the dates, uh, August, as uh, with the first novel comes up by Charles soul and oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's going to be, they're going to kind of, basically once a month, things are coming out. Okay. Well, okay. okay. I got to expand my reading list. Okay. Um, all right. Well, again, we were just talking about, uh, limited series, for Disney Plus, which of course brings to mind The Mandalorian. Uh, I have to ask last week, uh, as Toy Fair was going on at the Javits Center, did you see any of the coverage of the child Baby Yoda toys? Oh, yeah. And, that, and that's something else I was invited to, but I can't clone myself. So I didn't make <laughs> it out to New York. But yeah, that's, there was some, there was some great, great looking stuff. Um, mm-hmm. uh, did you see there is a, a Baby Yoda Chia pet? <laughs> all your dreams have come true or uh, hopefully nancy won't listen you could get it for for uh maybe christmas or something wow i i, I just you know as a bald guy i, I always envied the chia pets <laughs> so yeah maybe i'll be i'll be borrowing that miracle seed um you know in, in did you have a, a particular favorite i mean i i know a lot of people were excited i guess by the the I, a kind of animatronic Yoda. Yeah, that thing is pretty cool. Uh, nice. I I do like the one quite a bit. 
uh, I just think it's it's fascinating that there's there's so many items out there. Um, the one I got was the 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 sideshow one. That's mm-hmm. uh, the the one one scale one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I ordered that one. Although that that was revealed maybe a little bit before Toy Fair. But what about yeah. you? Well, um, you know, it's I I have to admit I'm 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 really more of a fan of the more stylized version. Uh, Mm-hmm. The Funko Pop figures, um, sure. you know, but again, I, I guess I'm going to have to see these things in person, though, as I understand it, uh, you know, for example, so, you know, the, 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 the orders that have been made for Target, um, they've gone clean. I mean, these items literally haven't arrived yet and they've gone clean. They're already, you know, you know, ordered and claimed by other folks. And, oh, oh before I forget, um. We just did a brand new episode of I Want That earlier today. And I wanted to point out that if we have any fans out there of the Star Wars Lego set, um, they've got an, an interesting promotion going on right now that if you buy $50 worth of Star Wars Lego sets, uh, Target will give you a free $10 gift card. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I have to admit, I was in there looking at, uh, you know, everything they had. And it was one of these things where it's like, I was, I guess because I don't have a small boy of my own, I'm not familiar with how much Lego sets are going for now. And yeah, yeah, the, what was it? The uh, millennium Falcon, the rise of Skywalker special edition that comes with minifigs, Mm -hmm. uh, $159. Oh yeah. It is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Beautiful. But uh, you know, and just, the best babysitters you can possibly get too. By the way, Legos. Okay. Well, uh, that said, that uh, I, please again, you're a father, and and how many times have you stepped barefoot on a Lego piece? <laughs> More than I can count. Okay, that's so, the reason they call me Hop Along. There we go. You know, just, just a wonderful babysitter and torture device. Um, <laughs> we did by order the way, the. Uh, the Mandalorian's Lego ship set with that comes with the the child minifigure too. It's oh. a beautiful looking Lego. Yeah. Okay, didn't see that, but I would imagine again that that, that that's also gone clean. It's slick. Now yeah. uh, Okay, now now typically if Toy Fair had gone the way to- Toy Fair usually went, uh this year during the 2020 event, there would have been reps of Disney and Lucasfilm walking around to would-be licensees, showing them storyboards and concept art from Indiana Jones 5. Uh, so they could then, you know, get some company to pay top dollar for the right to produce toys, uh, you know, based on that upcoming Steven Spielberg film. But, of course, now Steven Spielberg isn't directing Indiana Jones 5. James Mangold is. And uh, how that came to happen, I'll explain in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And all right. Um, so again, Dan, you saw um, as the news on this began to break right back on February 24th, uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, Stephen steps away, James Mangold comes in. Um, is that official and, now, or is that, are they still trying to work that out? No, it's it's official. Though I, I you know, do take some solace in the fact that uh, Spielberg has announced he is staying on as a very hands-on producer. Um, so he, he will be involved and, and more to the point, uh, he was very much involved in selecting James Mangold as, uh, you know, as his successor, uh, for a reason we'll, we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but, uh, again, to sort of explain, you know, how this happened, the way it happened, uh, we have to go back to October 3rd, 2012, which of course is when, Disney acquires Lucasfilm for $4 billion. Uh, interesting thing, though, Dan, is that deal got Disney some but not all of the rights to the Indiana Jones film franchise. Um, now, I, I think we've talked about this previously, how back in November of 1979, uh, Michael Eisner, when he was uh, president of Paramount, he's the one who brokered the deal uh, with that's between that studio, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, which would then finally allow for production of Raiders of the Lost Ark and, and the, the language of that deal, uh, allowed for four sequels. So, um, and, and this deal was, was really unprecedented in Hollywood history. It called for Paramount to split Raiders receipts with George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Uh, it was a 60 40 split. With with sixty percent going to the studio. Um, now, now, mind you, that was only till Raiders uh, broke even or recovered all of its production costs. At that point, then Paramount, Stephen, and George all split Raiders of the Lost Ark's profits equally. Um, and but you know, here's the thing: if if you if you go back and read that original press release that the Walt Disney Company issued. When it was acquiring Lucasfilm, it mentions new Star Wars films with episode seven being targeted for release in 2015. But there, I mean, literally, you can go from top to bottom of the press release. Yeah. There's absolutely no mention of Indiana Jones. I remember that uh, very well. Yeah. Um, but again, that, that was because Disney had to then, uh, before they could discuss any future films in that franchise, Disney had to open up a negotiation with Paramount. Um, and it took the, the the better part of, of of fourteen months to finally close this deal. But December six, two thousand thirteen, uh, they came to an accord. Um, basically, uh, Disney uh, got the distribution and marketing rights to future Indiana Jones films, whereas uh, Paramount held on to uh, the original four films. Uh, Paramount would have, uh, financial participation. Should there be any more, uh, Indiana Jones films made, they'd get their cut. Uh, and, you know, but beyond that, um, you know, now Disney finally has the rights to make a 50 Indiana Jones film. Uh, but what would that film be about? Um, now again, you've been covering Lucasfilm for a long time. So you must remember when, uh, Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out in 2008. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, and uh, people sometimes forget that that film premiered at the Cannes Film Festival yeah. about 10 days before it was released to theaters in the States. 
Um, and do you do you recall any of the interviews George did during that time or? Uh, vaguely. I, I remember, I mean, George says a lot of things <laughs> to a lot of different people, how he's, he's feeling emotion. I think he means them in the moment. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a polite way of putting it. Yes. Uh, well, well, George evidently at Cannes told a reporter that, um, they were already talking about a fifth film and that Sh- Shia LaBeouf's Mutt Williams character would be the lead in the fifth Indiana Jones film. Um, and what was interesting is that Harrison Ford's character would then basically assume the role that Sean Connery played in the last crusade. Um, and now mind you again, this is may, uh, by the end of the summer, um, <laughs> you remember what happened with last crusade and, and, you know, kind of the hate that was, was thrown Shia LaBeouf's way. Oh um, yeah, for uh, you mean Crystal Skull? Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Although okay. I, I, I've I've said many times I love Crystal Skull, and I didn't mind Shia LaBeouf at all. In fact, mm-hmm. I've still maintain that Crystal Skull is my second favorite Indiana Jones movie. Really? And oh, yeah. and number one's the original Raiders. Or? Oh yeah, that's the number okay. one movie of all movies. Period. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, if it were me, I would be um, his original Raiders. Uh, Last Crusade, because again, I love the interplay between Connery and 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 Ford. Yeah, me too. Um, and I, I felt like, in a lot of ways, that was, you know, particularly given how really dark Temple of Doom got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that that it was a kind of a welcome return to the, the feel of of the original Raiders. Right. But yeah, I, I you know, I, I've honestly never thought beyond that point whether if I had to choose between Temple of Doom and and um. Uh, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I'd go with th- that. Would be number three. But well, Crystal Skull is nice because the uh, Connery and Shia LaBeouf are not Ford and Shia LaBeouf take on the the Connery and Ford roles, but it's reversed. Where Indy has these great reveals where he realizes that this is his son, mm-hmm. and he completely changes his philosophy of what kind of advice he gives the kid, which I think is pretty funny as a parent. Mm-hmm. Ford is at the absolute top of his game. Anytime he's on screen with Karen Allen and Crystal Skull, it's gold. And then I think the last 20 minutes when they're in the jungle up until about the end is a little, mm. is a little off. But then the very ending with the, in the wedding is, is just beautiful. Oh, no, no, no. And, and, and it. It, it, it does have, well, you know, I, I, I particularly love that moment when the hat is blown up the aisle and, oh, yeah. you know, that, that Mutt's about to pick it up and Indy swoops into the last moment and, not yet, kid. Yep. You know. It's um, perfect. It's just, I mean, if that is the last time we see Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, that's, it's a nice send-off. But I want it more. Is. It is. Now, now, okay. Just to pick up, it's August of 2008. George has realized that Mutt is kind of unpopular. So he reverts to the idea of having uh, Indy 5 built around Harrison Ford. Uh, Spielberg is at, at this point very open to directing an Indiana Jones five, but with the understanding that they come up with a very, with a strong story idea. And then George and Steve are still kind of smarting. Um, I, I think we've gotten into this on a, on a previous show, how, mm-hmm. because, you know, um, you know, Stephen had directed Close Encounters of a Third Kind and E.T. He really wasn't all that excited about, you know, that, that you know, it had 
a flying saucer, you know, that, that was featured prominently in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. He's like, can, can we not do that? Whereas George, um, George really, really, really wanted, you know, a flying, uh, you know, flying saucer. In fact, the, the first attempt at a uh, fourth Indiana Jones film with the, with the script, Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men. Um, I, ca- I got to get you a copy of that to read at some point, Dan. You'd find that fascinating. Sure. Uh, anyway, um, so Lucas noodles on ideas for a fifth film through much of 2009 to 2010. And you just mentioned Karen Allen. Uh, March of 2011, Karen Allen is being interviewed. And she says, you know, somebody asks, well, what's going on with Indy 5? And she says, well, uh, Spielberg, Lucas, and Ford have finally left, found a story that they all like. Big step forward, and they're, they're all working on it. Um, on the other hand, uh, July of 2012, Frank Marshall comes along and throws cold water on all of this because he tells a reporter that Lucasfilm is yet to hire a writer to work on the script for Indy 5. And, um, you know, it, you know, he says, look, I don't know if Indy 5 is definitely not happening, but without a writer assigned to develop the film's screenplay, he's very doubtful that, uh, a, a brand new Indiana Jones is going to go into production anytime soon. And, um, I, I have to wonder, given that what, just three months later, George is selling, uh, or, or signing over, uh, Lucasfilm to Disney. Um, you know, I, I, I gotta wonder, he was in the loop, you know, that that was coming. Right. I mean, right. Kathleen's his wife, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. So. That's true. But, you know, <sighs> it's, he's, it's in the vault. He must have signed an NDA. Oh, there you go. Those niggling little NDAs. All right. (laughs) All right. Anyway. um, Okay. As the deal is closing, uh, Disney studio chief Alan Horn warns entertainment reporters, you know, who are covering the story that look, um, you know, and again, we're talking about the deal in December of 2013 at this point with Paramount. Uh, Alan's warning, you know, entertainment reporters like, look, we're concentrating all of our efforts right now on launching a brand new Star Wars trilogy, so which means that it's going to be at least two and three years before you know Disney gets around to producing a new Indiana Jones film. Um, and now, where this gets interesting um, is in late 2015, based on the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, which was released to theaters in August of 2014, and the original Jurassic World, which was out in theaters in June of uh 2015 evidently there were executives at disney who gave very serious thought to rebooting um indiana jones with chris pratt playing the title role uh how do you feel about that dan i was actually championing that i thought it would have been great he had the right kind of demeanor and sarominess and he had that look i i would have been very okay with it Okay. Well, I, and I, I'm glad to hear that because, because if you think about it, Paramount had just done, uh, something similar with, with JJ Abrams' Star Trek reboot, uh, you know, hiring Chris Pines to play Captain Kirk, the, the role that William Shatner, uh, had originated for the, te- the television series in the first set of movies. And likewise, Zachary Quinto playing Commander Spock, uh, the, the Leonard Nimoy role, though, the Leonard still managed to find a way to get into that movie. Uh, but, and that did so well when it was released to theaters in May of 2009. Uh, we got two sequels. Uh, what is it? Star Trek Into Darkness, May of 2013, and, uh, Star Trek Beyond out in theaters in July of 2016. And, 
as recently as this week. Uh, they're evidently talking about one making a fourth uh, Star Trek film with uh, Pine and uh, uh, Quinto returning as Kirk and Spock. Um, do you ever? Did you get them in to see any of those? Or I saw the first two and I absolutely loved them. In fact, that mm-hmm. was the first time I really uh, saw Cumberbatch. Been a Cumberbatch mm-hmm. who plays Khan in the second one. Ah. But I, I thought they were were brilliant, really fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the third one. That was I know JJ List, but I didn't see that one. Okay. Uh, but, you know, again, it, it, it shows up on cable. So if you got two hours at some point, grab it. Um, uh, but here, uh, honestly, uh, this is, I, I, I'm sharing this story, which somebody told me in confidence at Disney, because it really kind of gives me a lot of respect for Chris Pratt, uh, who evidently loves the Indiana Jones films. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I guess reached out to the Disney executives who were floating the idea of him coming in to play indie. And it's just sort of like, I loved these films as a kid and I don't want to be the one to tank them, you know? And, and I just saw what happened with Shia LaBeouf and how people seem to get really angry at any actor who, you know, who, who seems to be taking, you know, uh, you know, the, the Indiana Jones jobs away from Harrison Ford. So, Maybe withdraw my name, um, you know, uh, you know, just a, a, get, get the fact that he did that supposedly himself, uh, not some studio head. Um, that's kind of it's interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's got to be that's got to be a hard one, especially when he's at the peak of his powers. Well, yeah, but but at the same time, when an actor understands you know, both himself and the way the industry works. I mean, there's this story I love about Tom Hanks where uh, Universal wanted to remake Harvey. Do you, do you know the, the Jimmy Stewart movie, Harvey? Oh, yeah, um, the, the big rabbit. There you go. Okay. And, um, you know, so Universal wanted to remake it, and they brought it to Spielberg, and he's like, oh, I know the perfect guy. We have to go with Tom Hanks. And so, you know, and because Stephen loves working with Tom and, you know, you know and, and when you think about, you know, uh, you know, the roles that, that Tom has played, you know, uh, you know, just recently, Mr. Rogers and, you know, uh, Walt Disney and saving Mr. Banks. I mean, he's kind of America's decent guy. Yeah. And so he'd be perfect for Elwood P. Dowd. And so they go to Tom Hanks and he's like, no, you know, I love Jimmy Stewart's performance. I couldn't ever do better than that. You know, I, you know, I, that, that's, and it would ruin my own memories of a film I really, really love. So it's like, I know you're piling up all sorts of money and we'll all get very rich, even more rich than we are now. But no, I don't want to do Harvey or, you know, I shouldn't do Harvey. And he didn't do Harvey. So, so for a Chris Pratt to say, no, I shouldn't be Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's, that's bold. It's a very bold choice. This is true. So, okay. So, okay, right. We now jump ahead. Fall of 2015. Kathleen Kennedy steps out and says, okay, I'll admit it. We got a 15 year Jones film in development. Steven Spielberg has, ex- has once again expressed an interest in directing set sequel. And, you know, the, you know, the fans shouldn't worry. Indiana Jones will definitely be played in this film by Harrison Ford. Um, and then, uh, March of 2016, Disney gets even more definitive about, uh, Indiana Jones 5. Uh, 
they may not have a script, but they have a release date, which is July 19th, 2019. Uh, so anticipating a spring of 2018 start of production, Spielberg clears his schedule for that chunk of time. But then in April 2017, Disney has to admit that they're still struggling to come up with a serviceable script for the sequel. So Indiana Jones release date then gets pushed back to July 10th, uh, 2020. Um, Spielberg uh, moves quickly. He's able to fill this hole in his dance card, uh, which he had deliberately set aside to do pre-production on Indy 5. Uh, this is when he shoots the post. Um, uh, did you see that? The, the 20th century film about uh, the Pentagon Papers with Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks? I saw it. I loved it. I think it's it's a borderline perfect movie just for what oh, yeah. it is. No. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And, and, and again, if you're, if you're somebody who loves old time uh, both, you know, political films like, you know, all the president's men or, yeah. you know, just films that take you behind the scenes at newspapers. It, it's wonderful. It really, is. um, it was also shot crazy fast. Um, they began shooting it May 3rd, 2017. Uh, the film was going to wrapped by July and out in theaters that same year in December. Um, which, you know, Stunning. but again, I'm sorry. It's stunning. I mean, that's just, that's rap. I mean, you're also talking about some of the best actors of all time in that thing too, which helps. Oh yeah. You know, there, there, there isn't a bad performance in the thing, but, but again, Spielberg, you know, the, having come out of television, you know, remember what, what one of his, you know, very first gigs was what shooting Joan Crawford in, in night gallery. Um, you know, he, he liked to shoot fast. Uh, his, his first theatrical release, Sugarland Express, was shot in 55 days. The original Raiders, uh, you know, amazing action film, uh, locations around the world, shot only in 73 days. And uh, Last Crusade, the bulk of Last Crusade, Dan, was shot in 63 days in the summer wow. of 1988. Wow. So, um, which is crazy. Um, but, you know, so here's this guy who likes to work fast. And meanwhile, Indiana Jones 5 can't, it is moving so slowly around Disney's development track, which is why in June of 2018, release date gets pushed off yet again. Now it's July 9th of 2021. And Stephen has actually begun to wonder, is he ever actually going to get the chance to shoot the fifth film in this series? And so um, the film, this brand new hole in his schedule, Stephen actually turns to the movie he had set up to be his follow-up to Indy 5 and, that was a, a big screen musical version of the 1957 Broadway hit West Side Story, which, you know, it, it actually had already been made as a movie. Uh, what, Robert Bryce and Jerome Robbins directed that uh, in 1961, won all sorts of Academy Awards. Uh, but, but doing a full-fledged movie musical was on Spielberg's bucket list. So he jumps into the assignment with enthusiasm, uh, they shoot West Side Story largely on location in New York City in northern New Jersey from July 19th of last year through September 27, 2019. Um, but here's the thing. He's, he's on the set with all of these ridiculously long young singers and dancers, you know, kids who are 18, 19, 20. Uh, they're dynamic. They're energetic. Whereas Spielberg... Dan, he turned 73 on December 18th of last year. Um, 
and Harrison Ford turned 77 in, in July of last year. Now, mind you, again, we've all seen the photograph of you, you know, at the premiere of, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the rise of Skywalker and he looks great. He really does. Um, but he's still a 77 year old guy. Um, and, and George, uh, who turned 75 in May of last year, uh, you know, he, he's supposedly the smart one. He's retired from the business and, and is out working on his museum. Um, so Spielberg, um, you know, look, they made the original Raiders back in 1980. That's 40 years ago. And Spielberg, especially after seeing all these kids jump around at, at doing West Side Story and all that, uh, began to worry that he and Harrison were going to look ridiculous if they tried to do uh, with this character what they'd done 40 years ago, that that just wasn't realistic. Um, but Stephen remembered a movie that he'd seen just a couple of years ago. Uh, Logan, have you seen this? The, the sort of the story of the older um, yes. Wolverine? Yeah, it's, it's a really dark, intense film. Definitely not for kids, but it's a, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it, it takes two characters that you know from the X-Men, uh, Wolverine, Logan, and, you know, Professor Charles Xavier, Professor X, and, you know, it gets absolutely marvelous uh, performances out of Hugh Jackman and, and uh, Patrick Stewart that are true to these characters' actual age. And, and that's evidently the conversation that Spielberg had with Disney. It's like, look, we're trying to make an Indiana Jones film like it's 1980s again and it's Raiders again. And that's just not going to work. Um, but if we do an Indiana Jones film where Indy is Harrison's actual age, he's 77. And how does one have an adventure when they're 77? And, you know, the guy who figured that out is James Mangold, the guy who did Logan. So maybe we should give this movie to him. Um, so, Again, you know, and again, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I get how it's, it's disappointing, you know, especially after there've been these four films and you were looking forward to the band getting back together again. Yeah. Uh, but it w wasn't really going to be the band again because George wasn't going to be involved. Um, so I, I guess for me, you know, and again, it, it's kind of interesting, you know, Harrison, you know, was out there doing publicity for, um, Call of the Wild, uh, as recently as last month, and he was talking about how we're going to be shooting in a couple of months, and which insinuated April. And from what friends at Disney have told me, is that uh, Mangold, um, he not only directed, uh, you know, the, that film, he also wrote the original story and then uh, developed the screenplay for uh, Logan with Scott Frank and, and Michael Green. So he wants to, before they start shooting this thing, uh, have a swing at sort of adjusting the screenplay. So it looks more like now um, Indy 5 is going to go for before the cameras this summer rather than this spring. Um, 
So as long I, as I get it made sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, um, so, okay. Long story short, folks, Dan and I will try to keep you up to date as we hear more about this project. Um, you know, so will you be dis- discussing, uh, Indy five over at coffee with Kenobi or. Well, we, we did talk about it on our Patreon show, CWK Pearl, where we did a show where we talked about that and project luminous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the main show will probably just will stick to the Star Wars thing. We'll and we'll leave the Indiana Jones talk to looking at Lucasfilm with the two of us, and then uh, Ed Dolst is great. The Indie Cast, which is the best Indiana Jones podcast out there. Cool, cool. Uh, now, up to anything special over at Coffee Kenobi because you usually have such great guests. Well, thank you. We we just had uh, two weeks ago. We had James Arnold Taylor, voice of Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh. Did a we did a deep dive with him about just mm-hmm. sort of history of the project and um his career and he's just a great generous guy anyway so he's always fun to talk to mm-hmm. and then we've uh we've reviewed the first couple episodes uh we probably put those out pretty punctually and then we also uh did a big deep dive on project luminous as well very cool okay well i can you know at the jim hill media podcast network i mean you know that that's we've managed to work the Mandalorian into a lot of shows. I think we've yes. talked about it uh, over at uh, Disney Dish with Lentesta, uh, and I know Drew and I have talked about it and I'm fine tuning. Uh, I think Michelle just today when we were recording, I want that. Uh, we were talking a little bit about Toy Fair and the uh, the the Baby Yoda stuff that that showed up there. Excuse me, the child. I got to remember to say that child. Uh, uh, geez, I don't know. I, I, I think we have talked about it on Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams because we do a lot of talk about the limited series that Disney Plus is doing. One show we haven't talked Star Wars stuff about lately uh, is Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. Um, but who knows? That could change anytime. Um, tell you what, folks. Uh, by the way, if you could do Dan and I a favor. Uh, if you could head over to iTunes and not only rate uh, Looking at Lucasfilm, but also Coffee with Kenobi, uh, that helps get us extra ears and eyeballs. Uh, and if you like what you're listening to tonight, if you could subscribe over at Bandcamp, that would be very helpful. Uh, what about social media for Coffee with Kenobi? I know you're you're all over Twitter. I, in fact, I, I just I love so much of the stuff you post over there on Twitter. Well, thank you. Yeah, Coffee with Kenobi on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, mm-hmm. on Pinterest. You can chat with me personally uh, at Mr. Zer, M-R-Z-E-H-R, on Twitter as well. Hmm. Okay. Well, at Jim Hill Media, we do Twitter and Instagram. And over at Facebook, we are Jim Hill Media News. I don't know why, but that's it. But, uh, but <laughs> It's a good place to go. I don't know. Nate's it's a <laughs> Nancy made the decision. I trust Nancy. We'll go with that. Um, and, and speaking of going, uh, folks, it, it's a school night. <laughs> so Dan has to work in the morning and so do I. So we're going to shut down here. But uh, thanks for listening. And we will be back with more uh, Lucasfilm-related news in the not-too-distant future. Uh, but till then, take care.